Lord, we give praise to you that we, the body of Christ, are is Zion, spiritual Zion. You've got great and glorious promises with regard to your your church. May we be found to be faithful, obedient all the days of our life. We magnify your name, the true and living God, besides whom there is no other God. Open our minds to understand the scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to to John chapter 5. Our text for tonight is verse 30 through 47. John 5, beginning at verse 30. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I bear, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know the testimony which he bears of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. But the witness which I receive is not from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the witness which I have is greater than that of John for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that bear witness of me, and you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the true and only God. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you had believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? We got to remember in this this portion of, of scripture, Jesus is dealing with these Jews, and he has performed two significant miracles, and it it, it did not phase uh, these Jews at all. Now they had become very critical of Jesus, these Jews, and of course Jesus is the Son of God, and. In criticizing the son, they did not realize that they were criticizing the father. 
And we got to understand that the whole purpose of the Son of God's appearance coming in the flesh was for one thing, to do, as Jesus said here, to do the will of my Father. That is his purpose in this world. Jesus in his earthly life was always submitting to the will of the Father. And we see this in the the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying later on in, in John chapter 17. He says, not my will, Father, but thy will be done. Jesus' whole purpose was to obey the will of his Father. What was his purpose again in coming into this world? Why did the eternal Son of God take on human flesh? Well, as the scripture reveals in Matthew one twenty one, he came to save his people from their sins. We are told in 1 John 4.10, where it says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And propitiation, again, means the satisfaction of divine justice or wrath by means of a bloody substitute. He came to die. And if you were just to turn a few pages over to chapter 17, um, here's what Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, verses 3 and 4. He says, And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I glorified thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou uh, hast given me to do. Now, when it says here in verse 31, he says, if I should bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. Let's not, don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. And he's not saying that his testimony about himself is not reliable. What he is saying is, I have come to do my father's will and I don't need to testify to myself. My father will testify on my behalf And then we're going to see that there are several witnesses set forth here that are going to testify to who he really is, that he is the Son of God, he is the Messiah, and that he has come to save sinners from their sins. Now, keep in mind again, what is the the purpose of the book of John? It's found in in John chapter 20, uh, verses 30 and following. Remember it says here that uh, these these things have been written. Uh, these signs were done, many signs that uh, Jesus did. And not all of them were written, but what were written was for the purpose that you might believe that he is the son of God. So the purpose of, of these wondrous signs that Jesus was performing was this. And he ties wonders with, with signs. Now remember, <clears throat> The the wonder, that is the miracle itself, is the wonder. It creates the awe. I mean, someone has been lame from birth for them to get up and walk. That's kind of wondrous, don't you think? Kind of awe-inspiring, don't you think? And someone who's sick to to the point of death, the nobleman's son, rises up because Jesus says it. An incredible miracle inspiring awe on our behalf. So the the wonder 
is designed to do what? Point to the sign. It is a sign that Jesus really is the Son of God because he can do these things. Now, what we see here in uh, verses 32 through 37, we have a series of witnesses to who Jesus is. And he begins with John the Baptist. Then he's going to talk about the witness of the Father. And then he's going to talk about uh, the witness of his works that he does. And then finally, he's going to talk about the witness of the Scripture. All of these testify to who Jesus really is. Now, in verse 33... He says, the Father is the one who has sent me, and he bears witness of me. And then he says that John the Baptist is a witness to who he really is. Now, we we see this testimony or the witness of John the Baptist. After all, what was the uh, purpose of John's ministry? Well, we're told he he is that messenger. He is said to be the one who proceeded. He is the one that uh, Malachi says is going to pave the way. Isaiah says uh, he will pave the way, the coming of the Messiah. John's ministry was preparatory. And once Jesus came, once he baptized Jesus, his ministry fades. Remember John says, I must decrease and he must increase. But he bore witness of who Jesus is. And John's ministry was basically, as you know, a baptism by water of repentance. So it was preparatory. We, we should realize this. No one is ever saved without repentance, right? You, you've got to re, uh, repent. When Jesus came out of the desert, having been uh, tested by the devil 40 days and 40 nights. He came to, the, uh, to Galilee saying, the kingdom, he says, uh, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus said. Repentance is necessary. John's ministry was of repentance, laying the groundwork for the Messiah. Remember, John said, he says, I baptize, I baptize with water, but he who comes after me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unlatch, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. A baptism of water, Holy Spirit baptism. Now, we, rem- we should remember that Jesus in saying that, uh, that his, uh, the witness of John is not just from a man, John the Baptist's w- uh, witness was this, that he was saying that the Father had spoken to him, revealing who Jesus was. Now, Jesus always was very praiseworthy of John the Baptist's ministry. Remember in in, uh, Matthew 11, we've looked at that passage before uh, when John sent his disciples to ask Jesus, you know, 
<clears throat> are you the one to come or are we to expect another? And I think, as I've said several times, the best understanding of that is John wasn't doubting because he had heard God the Father say, this is my beloved son. He was just doing that for his disciples that needed to make the transition from himself to Jesus. Jesus says that John, in our text, he says John was a burning light shining in the darkness. And he was a testimony of the coming Messiah. We could say this, that John's ministry was the morning star. The morning star that comes up in the morning that barely sheds light, but as the day progresses, the light becomes increasingly until the noon, the bright, bright part of the day. John the Baptist was the morning star, shining, testifying, there is a great one to come, and he is Jesus. Now remember that Jesus says, as I said earlier, he's speaking to these Jews, and these Jews have a problem with him. And Jesus says in our text in verses 35, 36 and following, he says, you did rejoice in John the Baptist's ministry. For a while, you rejoiced in it, but it was only temporary. He says, in, in other words, he says, you were fond of John's ministry, kind of like, a, like a, new, a new thing, a new toy. You may like it for a while, but soon it becomes old and I don't want it anymore. Do you remember that even Herod and Pass liked John the Baptist's ministry? <laughs> even though... John the Baptist would point his finger and says, Herod, it is unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. Even despite that, it says that Herod liked to hear John. Well, who had the real problem with John the Baptist? Herodias, his wife, she's the one that took it really personal. And she was the one determined, I'm gonna get that guy. And she did through her daughter. And it ended up him losing his head. And so it was all masterminded by Herodias, essentially. And then, of course, Herod was a coward. He just gave in. And so Herod, just like many, uh, that, that apparently, just like, um, we could phrase it like this. Remember, uh, Jess and is preaching on the parables and the, the parable of the sower and the seed. The temporary, the, the, the seed that falls on the shallow soil. It comes up quickly, but when the scorching heat hits it, it then it just withers. And so there are many who seem to be pleased with the gospel at the first, but then they fall away. We're going to see in the next chapter, chapter 6, there are many people who were called disciples who will never follow Jesus anymore. I'm just giving you a prelude to chapter 6. 
So a disciple simply means a follower. Not all the followers were genuine followers. So Christ <clears throat> mentions their respect with respect to John the Baptist. Um, these uh, John bore witness of him, but soon they grew tired of John the Baptist's uh, testimony of who Jesus is. You know, if they had, if these Jews had continued in their honor of John the Baptist, they would have believed in Jesus if they had really continued to listen to what John was saying, but they didn't. Now in verse 36 of our text, if you take a look here, Jesus having said that the Jews, they should have accepted him because of John's witness. Now they're condemned because they didn't listen to John. But then Jesus says, look, if you're not gonna believe him, at least believe the works that I'm doing. Notice what it says there in verse 36. But the witness which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. That's great. Jesus is the one who said, uh, <clears throat> regarding John the Baptist, there is no man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. That's what he said. He was the greatest Old Testament. He was the last of the, uh, the Old Testament prophets. No one greater than John the Baptist, the preparer of the Messiah. But he says, Jesus says, <clears throat> my works which I do that comes from the Father who's empowering me, John never did that. There's no recording. John never performed a miracle like Jesus, not once. He said, uh, Jesus is saying, I have been empowered by my Father to do these things far greater than what John ever did in this sense. So in one, in one way, what Jesus is saying to these Jews, if you don't believe me for what I'm saying, at least believe the works that I'm doing. In other words, are they not wondrous? Are they not miraculous? I mean, uh, when Jesus in Matthew 11 uh, tells John's uh, disciples who he is, he says, do not the blind receive sight? Do not the lame walk? Do not the deaf hear? Do not the, de uh, the dead rise from the dead? All of these works are testifying to what? I am the son of God. And you, you ought to believe me. So if you don't believe me later in John 10, he's gonna drive that, home, that point home. And he says, he just, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works. They testify who I am. But you can't even do that, he says. And so what we see here is we gotta remember uh, what Jesus said in, if you look back to chapter four, verse 48, and talking about the works that Jesus did, he was very critical of these Jews. He says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. 
In other words, in other words, they've got to have a sign, or they're not going to believe. They got to see something miraculous, or they're not going to believe. But then we see here, Jesus says, "Although the works that I do should cause you to to realize I'm a special person." You see, all the the purpose of Jesus' miracles was a sign to who he was. When the apostles, in the name of Jesus, would do the same miracles as Jesus did, it was for the purpose to authenticate their message. It was for the purpose that you, you better listen up because people don't do what we do, so you better listen up to what we're saying. But they didn't, did they? For the most part, they didn't listen to the apostles who healed people in the name of Christ. So he says, John bore witness of me. My works bear witness of who I am. And then he says in verse 37 and following, the father himself bears witness of me. Now we remember, if, let me just uh, go back. Well, first of all, let me just say this. In Matthew four seventeen. It says that a voice came from heaven when John was baptizing Jesus and he heard, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So the father bore witness to John who Jesus really was. And it says in, in John 1, 29 and following, remember it says here that he said, John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. After me comes a man who is higher rank than I, for he existed before me. John bore witness, saying, I beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and remained on him. I did not recognize him, but he, you know, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me. That means God the Father said vocally, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So what we see here, Jesus says, John bore witness of me. My works bore witness of who I am. The Father himself told John, I am the actual Son of God. And so Jesus is very critical of these Jews. And if you notice in verse 38, he says, and you do not have his word abiding in you for you do not believe him whom he sent. In all of these Jews, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, in all of their understanding of the uh, Old Testament scriptures, he said, you still do not have the word of God abiding in you. Because if you did... If you really had the love of God, I mean, you had his word abiding in you, you would believe me. That's what he says. You would have believed me, but you don't believe me. 
So you don't have God's word. So really, you have no right to call God your father because you're not believing the witness of the father with regard to me. You know, they, um, and in verse 39, Jesus begins with the, the last witness to who he is. And it's a very powerful one. Look what he says in verse 39. Speaking to these Jews now who are hostile to him, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these, that is the scriptures, that bear witness of me. Now, when it says you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, at least in that regard, they were right. In the scriptures, if you really understood the scriptures, you would be led to eternal life, but you would be led to me. You would be led to me if you really knew the scriptures. See, their problem is that in their search of the law of Moses and the other prophets, they should have seen Jesus. They should have, but they didn't. And in seeing the scriptures, they should have believed in Jesus for, Jesus says, the whole Old Testament bears testimony, I am the Christ the son of the living God. So eternal life, he says, if you had really searched the scriptures, you would have seen me and you would have believed me because the scriptures taught me. And so he says here, they bear witness of me. And you see, eternal life is not some intellectual thing. You know, the truth of the word of God, it, yes, it begins with the mind. It does. But it better not stay there. It must go to the heart. You got to love it with all of your being. And if you love it with all of your being, guess what? Then your actions will follow suit with what your heart loves. You know, Jesus, <clears throat> in Matthew 22, when a question arose about uh, a woman who had various husbands who had died and the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, by the way, and there was always an argument between the Pharisees who did believe in a resurrection, but the Sadducees did not believe one. And so the question is, then in glory, who's... Husband, will this woman have in glory since she already had five in this world? And Jesus says, you err because you know not the scriptures nor the power of God. Because you don't know the scriptures, that's why you make mistakes. He says, in heaven, there is no giving in marriage. There will be no one. 
But the point here is, men err because they don't know the word of God. We got to realize this. Jesus is the theme of the entire Bible. The failure of Judaism is that they did not believe the scripture's witness to Jesus as the Messiah. That was their failure. And the great mysteries of the Old Testament will forever be a closed book to these Jews. And the only way to have eternal life in their seeking of the scriptures is to believe in the Son of God, who he really is. Turn with me. Now, this is moving ahead in the ministry. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? Luke 24. And look at verse 32 and then verse 34. Well, let's back up to verse 25. These are the disciples that met up with Jesus, didn't recognize who they were with on the day of the resurrection. And they were discouraged. And then Jesus says, "You, verse 25, O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things, to enter into his glory? Jesus is saying, you should have known the scriptures. And if you had, you would have understood that I had to die. And you would have understood that I was going to rise from the dead the third day. So he rebukes them for their failure to understand the scriptures. And then we see in verse 32, these disciples, well, Jesus opened their eyes in verse 31 to realize, hey, we're actually with the risen Jesus. And then they said to one another, verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us. Don't you love that phraseology? Was not our heart burning within us when Jesus began to open up the word of God, the whole Old Testament to these men? It thrilled their heart. We should have seen this. It was there after all, all this time. We missed it. And then verse 44 It says, now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now turn back to John 5. If you look at verse 40, Jesus explains to these Jews what the real problem was. He says to them, verse 40, well, let's consider 39 and 40 together to get the context. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life 
and it is these that bear witness of me, and you are unwilling to come to me that you might have life. Unwilling to come to me that you might have eternal life. Well, here, I mean, obviously, the obvious point here is, right? Unless you believe in Jesus, there's no way on this earth you're ever going to have eternal life. It's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. How men deal with Jesus determines their eternal destinies. And we see here that Jesus goes on. He says, you're you're not willing... In other words, you are in rebellion, moral rebellion, by not believing in me. You are under an obligation. Jess talked about that this morning, about moral obligations. We are under a moral obligation to believe the gospel, to believe Jesus. Now, in verses 42 and 43, Jesus gives a scathing condemnation of these Jews to whom he's talking to. Notice what he says here. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. Wow. Wow. What worse thing could be said to someone who's religious than to say, you don't have the love of God in you? They could have said, how dare you say that about us? We love God, but the Son of God says, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because you really loved God? You would believe the Father's witness about me but you're unwilling to do it. You are hard-hearted is what you are. You're stubborn and you won't believe. To show you just, and, and then he said, Jesus says, I don't receive glory from men. And then down here, look at, look at verse 44. How can you believe? Now, he gets to the real problem here. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and true God? Jesus says, you know what your real problem is? You think too highly of yourselves. You're a self-righteous hypocrite is what you are. That's your problem. Turn with me to talk about how these Jews were and then Jesus' scathing rebuke of them. First of all, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verses 1 and 2. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. When therefore you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you 
as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, you have their reward in full. They loved to be seen of men as being pious. They loved to be seen of men as we're giving a lot of money. Look what we did. Look what we have given. Remember Jesus, who was the one that gave the most? The widows, little mite. All these others are bringing all this stuff. Jesus says, you know, that, that, that widow who just, she gave all that she had. Now that's the one who really pleased God. Turn over to Matthew 23. Look at verses five and six. Talking about these Pharisees. He says, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels of their garments and they love the place of honor at banquets and being called by men rabbi. (laughs) They love the recognition of men They want to be seen as these wonderful religious people. And then finally, if you turn over to Mark 12, 38 through 40. We see Jesus saying, and in his teaching, he was saying, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearances' sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. You know, that long prayers, I've always been sensitive to that uh, in praying. You know, we're not to try to impress men with our prayers. Who are we praying to? God. And it can be a very short prayer if it's sincere. But these, these, these self-righteous Jews love the recognition and honor of men. And what a sad thing. He said, that's why you don't love God. You're, you're self-righteous. You're dead men's bones. You're a, you, you. Jesus, his, his worst condemnation of men were to the religious leaders of his time. That's who he reserved his greater, greatest rebuke because they deserved it. They didn't deserve it. He says, everything you get of men That's your reward. That is your reward. You wanted to be seen of men being an honorable Pharisee? Well, you got it. But that's not going to do any good in 
in the life to come, it will do you no good. If you turn back to John 5, verses 46 and 47, Jesus says, you know, I don't need to accuse you Jews before my father. There is one who accuses you. It's Moses. Moses is the one who accuses you. You talk about the law of Moses, that you're going to follow his teachings. It is, and it says here, Moses accuses you in whom you have set your hope. You have put all your hope in the law of Moses is what he's saying. And it's in, and in that law of Moses that you've placed all your hope, Moses condemns you. Why did Moses condemn them? Well, the answer there is verse 47 or 46 and 47. He says, if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote of me. For if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? You've had the scriptures. You've had the Old Testament. You've had it all. If you had really listened to Moses, like you say you're a great authority on Moses, then you would have believed me. Because in Deuteronomy 18, Moses said, there is a prophet coming after me that you better listen to. And the Jews, even the disciples, and even the woman at the well whom Jesus encounters in John chapter four, she knew about this. She knew that Moses talked about a great prophet. And she wondered, could this man that I'm talking to at, the, at Jacob's well, could he actually be that Messiah after all? If you don't believe that, if you don't believe Moses' writings, there's no, there's no hope for you. You should have seen it. You should have seen it. You know, the story... Uh, in Luke 16, verse 30, in this parable that Jesus talks about, the rich man who dies and Lazarus who dies, the rich man's in hell. Uh, Lazarus, the poor man, he's in the bosom of Abraham. And the man in hell is asking Father Abraham to go warn his brothers lest they come to this place of torment. And notice what is said here. But Abraham, verse 29 of Luke 16. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, no, no, Father Abraham. If someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Wow. They should have known that. They had Moses. You know, Moses wrote the Pentateuch. He wrote the five 
the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And in, Deuter- in Genesis twenty two eighteen, remember the the promise the promise of the Abrahamic covenant is that through the seed of Abraham all the families of the earth would be blessed through this seed of Abraham. Genesis forty nine ten talks about uh, this seed. It, it says specifically. In Genesis 49, verse 10, it says, well, verse 9 and 10, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, you've gone up. He crouches, he lies down as a lion. As a lion, he dares rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Shiloh means to whom it belongs. Psalm 110 talks about the Son of God sitting on the throne, stretching forth his scepter, saying to all those, to his enemies, he will cause them to be willing in the day of his power all talking about Jesus. And in Galatians, the apostle Paul says, you know who that seed of Abraham was? That all the families in the earth are going to be blessed? It's Jesus. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham under Jesus, but he is the seed. So Jesus is telling these Jews, finally, he says, In your search of the scriptures for eternal life, you should have listened to Moses. But you didn't. And you won't believe me. And because you don't believe me, who Moses talked about, you will not get eternal life. That's the tragedy. So the, so the whole key here is Believe the scriptures. We don't, you know, all those signs and wonders, we have it in the Bible recorded. We have it all. And so those miraculous signs always pointing to me, as John says, what was the purpose of the signs and wonders? That you may believe in the Son of God and thereby have eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, help us to, to, to relish in the word of God that tells us of all these marvelous things of who Jesus, what he did, who he is. And we thank you that in him we have eternal life because we do believe in him and his words. Build us up, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.